All right, we wrap up today our series on uh, margin, right? And uh, today we're going to be looking at, uh, at moral margin. And for us to kind of uh, get there, we need to uh, come to agreement right away uh, on, uh, on something. One is uh, we just need to come to some agreement, uh, and hopefully we will, that uh, if you think about our culture and the movement of our culture for the last you know, 20 years, 25 years, whatever, uh, can, can we all just kind of agree that we've seen a pretty uh, drastic movement in kind of the moral perspective or the moral fabric or the moral expectations in our culture, right? That we kind of, over the last 25 years, 20 years, 10 years, whatever you want to name, right? We, we've seen a movement in that moral kind of fabric, right? We've kind of gone from leave it to beaver. If anybody remembers leave it to beaver, some of you do. Young people, go Google it. It's good, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Leave it to Beaver. We've gone from leave it to Beaver to Bart Simpson. Right? So can we all kind of understand and agree that there's been this kind of shift in this movement and erosion of kind of the moral fabric, the moral code, the moral expectations uh, in our culture? Amen? Are we all there? Yeah, okay. So if we, if we understand that, right, if we, if we agree on that one, uh, it puts we Christ followers, right? So if you're in room today and you're already committed to, to, to Christ, right, it, it puts you uh, really in a difficult place uh, because we see this cultural movement, the erosion of our moral culture, and yet for us, for a Christ follower, um, well, the moral expectations that we have in our life don't change. Right, because they're based on on the word. Right, they're based on what what God says, what God expects, what God desires uh, for our life. And we know they're they're based on the word, and the word is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Right, it it doesn't change. So the the moral understanding, the moral opportunity, right, that God has for us in terms of the way we live, is is constant. So the challenge for us as Christ followers then is how in the world, how in the world do we as Christ followers stay, tr- stay true to, to what God wants to do in our life in that moral expectation, that moral opportunity uh, that is for our well-being and for our good, right? That builds us up, that builds our families up, builds our relationships up. How, how do we live that moral Expectation that God has for us, allow Him to do that in our life in the midst of a culture that is slowly eroding in its moral fabric. Dilemma, huh? That's what we're going to struggle with today is how do we do that? Uh, the scripture's answer for that is what we're calling in this series moral margin, right? If you go into the Word and you go to Job, remember the book of Job, right? The character of Job. This comes out of Job 1. 
And it's in the very beginning of that book, obviously, where uh, God and Satan are having a dialogue, and Job is kind of at the center of that that dialogue. Uh, And, uh, you know, Satan is kind of accusing God in this, and God is saying, oh, come on now, look at my servant Job. And so they do take a look at your servant Job. And they have this discussion about Job and why Job's life is the way it is. And, of course, Satan is accusing God of the whole thing, right? And so here's kind of slicing into that conversation as they look at Job. Here's, Here's the conversation. Satan replies to the Lord, yes. But Job had, has good reason to fear God. So listen, he's saying this. So Job lives, you know, respecting you and following your word and doing, doing what you want to do in his life, right? Job, Job lives that way for a very good reason. Answer, you have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. You get the picture? So look look at the end now. The outcome in Job's life is what? When this happens in his life, the outcome is he experiences prosperity in all kinds of ways, right? This isn't just financial prosperity. He's experiencing the prosperity of God working in his life, being loose in his life, being loose in his family. Notice it's, you know, around his property and his home and everything, right? The outcome is that he experiences great favor in everything, right? Prosperity in everything he does. Well, in the middle, we get how that happens, right? And the answer is, how does this happen? How does it happen that Job has all this going on in his life? And the answer is right there in verse 10, where it says, You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home. What exists in Job's life? The answer for us would be margin, a wall of protection, right? Here, an image. Let me give you a, a, an image to think about, right? So if you did an aerial view of a, uh, of a castle, right? You got that? If you did an aerial view of a castle, right? Well, you'd kind of look down and you'd see the castle in the middle. And what would be around the castle most likely? There'd be a wall. Yes. Anything else? Moat. Oh, that's a great word. Moat, 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 moat. Moat. I don't know how they came up with that one. It's a great word. Moat. There'd be a, a moat around there, right? What is the function of the moat? Protection, right? The idea of the moat is that it creates distance between the value of the castle and the people inside of it and the enemies that would try to tear it down, Correct? Vital to the existence and to the prosperity of the castle is the reality of the distance created and the protection created by the moat. The moat is the image of margin. It's the image of margin. It's saying, listen, if you want to live the life that God has in store for you, if you want to experience all the prosperity, everything that he can do in your life, part of doing that is living in a way that is true to his word in your moral lifestyle. And if you're going to accomplish that, you need to be able to build margin. You need to be able to build a moat. You need to be able to build distance that allows you security and safety 
when you come under attack and the, and the risk of compromise in your moral life. Does this make sense? Scripture is so straightforward. I love it. It's just like common sense stuff. Proverbs 27. Be cautious and hide when you see danger. When you see danger, what are you supposed to do? Withdraw. Be cautious and hide. Create what? Distance. Right? You can see it, right? You're supposed to create distance. Be cautious and hide. Get away from it, right? Create distance, right? Don't be... We can say this, don't tell the children, because children aren't supposed to use or hear this word, right? I'm sorry. But Scripture says it, right? Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. (laughs) Don't be stupid and walk right into trouble, right? It's saying, listen, build margin. Build a moat. Build a wall. Build what you need to build in your lifestyle. Let God build such a strong protection around you in your moral behavior, in your moral code, so that you live true to his word, true to what he can do and wants to do in your life, and you have that protection. It's about building moral margin. Why is this so important? This is so important because... When we start convincing ourselves that we have everything under control, we take the first step of risk in our moral margin. And whenever we fall, when we compromise our morals, there are consequences and somebody gets hurt. And we just need to know the truth about it, right? When our moral lifestyle that God calls us to, when that gets compromised, when that falls... When we somehow convince ourselves we've got it all under control, somebody is going to get hurt. There's always consequences to it. If you look at uh, Proverbs 27 again, it says, If you carry burning coals, you burn your clothes. Duh. If you step on hot coals, you burn your feet. Duh. You can join me in that if you want to. That's good, right? Let's do that. We'll do it again just to have a dumb moment. Okay, you ready? If you carry burning coals, you burn your clothes. Duh. Right? If you step on hot coals, you burn your feet. Duh. Okay. I love scripture. And if you go to bed with another man's wife, you pay a price. Duh. Whoa. Right? And we have to understand this. When we compromise... The moral code that God wants to build in our life, that he, he desires that we live consistently, when we fail to build margin and we convince ourselves, don't I can handle it. I can handle it. And when we compromise, somebody gets hurt. Right? When you say to yourself, I got it under control. You know what? I, I can have lunch every day with that person at work of the opposite sex. And after all, it's my Christian duty to listen to all of their problems and concerns and everything that's wrong with their spouse. And two months later, you wake up in bed and say, How did this happen? And it's not your own bed. And your wife is destroyed, or your husband is destroyed, and your kids are destroyed. And your home is ripped apart. And you get to a place years later where somebody gets married and you don't know what to do because nobody knows where you can sit. There are consequences. When we compromise our moral margin, people get hurt. 
and young people. It's not just, you know, old people. Young people, when you compromise your moral margins, somebody gets hurt. When you have sex before marriage, when you, when you compromise your purity, you, you just hurt the husband or the wife that God has chosen and waiting for you in your future. Somebody always gets hurt when we compromise our moral margin. If you look at Ephesians, Paul says what? Stop telling lies. And don't sin by letting anger control you. And if you're a thief, quit stealing. Don't use foul or abusive language. Get rid of all the bitterness, the rage, the anger, the harsh words, the slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Why would Scripture go so far as to say, you know, you got to just, you got to get your moral life going. you got to stop doing this stuff. Why, why would it go so far to say, just listen, stop this stuff. Make sure this isn't part of your life. Because Scripture understands when we do this stuff, when we compromise our moral behavior, when we compromise the moral behavior that God desires in our life, somebody is going to get hurt. There's always consequences behind it. And when we convince ourselves, listen, I've got it. It's okay. I can go on my computer. I'll just kind of peruse a little bit, but I'm not really going to get into watching it all the time. I can just handle just a few pictures of uh, some pornography stuff, but I got it. It's okay. When we do that, we convince ourselves we destroy our margin. And there's always somebody who gets hurt. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians, what? Flee from sexual immorality. He goes on about all the other sins. This one's really bad for us, right? Because why? Somebody is going to get hurt. And so he says what? Flee. Flee, 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 right? If you go to the Greek, it's right to run away, to shun, to escape, or to have what? Distance. Create margin. Distance. It's the Bible's way of saying what we all know and quote the wonderful movie with Forrest Gump when they all say what? Run, Forrest, run, right? Yeah, so it's, but that's what Paul's telling you. He's saying, listen, if, if, if you see your margin, if you think somehow you can just walk up to the line, but you can control it, you can handle it, you're in trouble already. And, and you just need to run. You just need to flee from that and rediscover and rebuild margin. Just put into place the moat. Put into place the distance that you need to protect you and your family and your household and your reputation and your witness. Build margin. So how do we build margin? What do we do to build this margin? Here's some things. Uh, First, build margin by just predetermining that the best and the highest thing you can do is just please Him. Right? That, that first and foremost, you're going to build margin because you're going to make decisions and you're going to build that moral lifestyle because your greatest desire is just to please Him. Paul says, but whether we're at home or with the Lord or away from Him, we still try our best to do what? Please Him. Let's, let's just live to please Him. And so in my moral decisions, in a more moral lifestyle, that's first and foremost. I'm going to do stuff that I know is going to please Him. So I'm going to predetermine in my life. I'm going to predetermine that I am just going to build margin by making sure what I do, the decisions I make, the actions that I take are God-pleasing actions. 
Because I know, like Job, if I do that, if I, please, if I live to please him, then I'm going to create margin and God's going to be able to work in my life to do more than I can think or imagine. And so I'm just going to decide, first and foremost, I'm going to start building margin because I'm going to just live to please him. Please him. So everything I do, decisions I make, it's to please him. Right? When I'm doing my taxes and I'm tempted to do this or that, wait a minute, does it please him? What pleases him? First thing, litmus test. Does it please him? Second, build moral margin by just staying away from situations that could compromise your morals. Just stay away from the stuff. Stay away from the opportunities and the situations that you can put yourself in that can put you at risk and put your moral decision-making at risk. Paul says, God wants you to be made holy. He wants you to stay away from sexual sin. He wants all of you to learn to control your own bodies. You must live in a way that is holy. You must live with honor. Don't long to commit sexual sins like those who don't know God. What's he saying? Just stay away. So make predetermined decisions that you're just not going to put yourself in compromising positions. So, for instance, uh, just make a decision that you're simply not going to go have lunch with a person of the opposite sex all alone. Group? Good. Fine. Go in group. But just make a decision that you're just not going to put yourself in a compromising position where you're alone with a person of the opposite sex who's not your spouse, right? Uh, and, and young people, this applies to you too, right? So school's over and you're going to hang out at somebody's house. Hey, make sure that when you go to somebody's house, it's a group thing. Don't go to somebody's house, especially somebody who is of the opposite sex, and be all alone in that house, That's just not good decision-making. Don't put yourself in a compromising kind of position, right? And that goes in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of cases. Think about the things, the decisions you need to make just now, predetermined today, that says, you know what, I'm going to change my behavior in a way that doesn't put me at risk. I'm not just going to be in those situations anymore where my my morals can be compromised or tempted. I'm going to create this margin by making sure I'm just not in that situation anymore. Does this make sense? Build moral margin. Say, just stay away. Just stay away. Build moral margin by just thinking about and practicing modesty, right? And this goes for both genders. Even though the text is female-focused, it goes for both genders. Uh, Paul says... I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing, not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair, by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. That goes for all of us, right? So guys, when you're at the gym, don't be wearing the tight stuff and all that, right? I mean, right? It goes for all of us. That we just need to decide what message do we send? Right? So don't dress to please yourself. Don't dress even to please your spouse. Dress to please who? Him. Right? Dress to please him. You need, you need to be able to look in the mirror. Right? Because when we don't, we run the risk of creating, sending the wrong messages. 
that can be misinterpreted by others around us. And so we need to build that margin by just looking at what are the situations we stay out of and what are the messages that we send, even down to by the way we dress, right? And create that kind of moral margin. What does it mean? Ultimately, it means that we're building moral margin because we're creating those kinds of safeguards. We're creating margin. We're creating those kinds of safeguards. I put up Ephesians 5 here. I want you to think about this for a minute. I mean, if you just let this sink in, this is, this is like the whole thing in a nutshell, right? It's just really astounding when you think about what's, what Scripture's asking you to do here. So it's saying, listen, if, if you follow Christ, right, if you're on board and you follow Christ and he's living in you, right, well, then among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Now, I underlined the word hint. What does that mean? Think about that. There must not be even the smallest, littlest, most minute hint. Not even a hint. That's margin. That we look at our life and we say, that may be the way the world is going, but that's not what God's called me to. That's not the person that God God has called me to. And so I'm going to predetermine to build those safe places, those margins in my life so that I won't be even at risk of being compromised and there won't be even the smallest, tiniest, hint of compromise. That's good stuff, isn't it? Think about that. So for us, this moral margin thing, it's not just a message on Sunday morning, right? This moral margin thing is an everyday deal that is just a must for our life. Why why is it a must? Well, it says in Scripture, you must, right? You must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into the old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. I got it under control. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the Scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Why is this so important? Not only because when we go into moral failure, when we compromise our morals, somebody gets hurt. But it also compromises our witness. It also compromises our witness to the world because we become just like them. So for a Christ follower, he's saying, listen, you got to get this. you gotta, you got to understand this. This is just a must in your life to build moral margin. Now, here's the difficult truth this morning. For some of you in the room this morning, you've already compromised. You, you may have something going on in your life right now that you sit here this morning and you listen to these words, and God, uh, the Holy Spirit is working and convicting you and saying, whoa. I'm already compromised. I don't have the margin. And if that's the case, i got great news for you today. I have absolutely incredible news today. That God loves you so much. We just sang it. God loves you so much. His love is so incredible for you that he forgives you. 
that Jesus died for you. He died for all of that compromise that you've already been through in your life. He died. And today, right now, you can make a choice to say, that's yesterday and tomorrow is tomorrow and I'm a new person in Christ. You can surrender to the power of the gospel and say, that part of my life is over. Wherever that place is that you've been compromising, it's done. It's over. And the power of Jesus is he came and he died on a cross to forgive us for that. And he rose again three, three days later what? to walk into our lives and give us the power to build margin, to give us the power to be a different person, to give us the power to live in a different way, to give us that strength and encouragement, that presence and power, so that we go forward and we live the kind of life that God wants us to live pleasing him. If you've already compromised... Just give it to him. Just ask him to forgive you. And he will. And ask him to take over. And he will. And you can end the compromise and you can regain margin in your moral life. When you come to the table this morning and you you take that bread and you drink that wine, that is that opportunity when you surrender yourself and you say, Jesus, I've messed it up my own way, but I'm going to do it your way. But when you do that, when you do that, when you surrender to him, when you become that new person, when you start building that margin, you need to start asking those difficult questions. And remember when Jesus caught the woman and they brought the woman in front of him who was caught in adultery, right? And he absolutely forgave her. That was a done deal, right? She had compromised her moral margin, but he absolutely forgave her. But also, what did he say to her? Then go and don't do it again. Rebuild your life a different way. And so the question for you as you think about this whole series, really, of all of the margins that we've been talking about and encouraging you in, right? As you think about these margins, what steps do you need to take? What steps does God want you to take to build margin, moral margin, financial margin, all the margins that we talk about? What steps does God want you to take to build that margin in your faith walk? And before the day is done, while the kids are coming and trick-or-treating, you'll find time, right? Think about it. Write it down. What does God need you to do as you live as a Christ follower to build margin in your life? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for the incredible gospel good news. You love us. You love us so much. Uh, your love is such incredible, uh, so incredible that you would send Jesus in the world to uh, die for us, to forgive us. We count on that today. And so we, we just uh, confess to you today the, the times in our life where we have not lived with that moral margin, where we have compromised already. And we just ask you, Father, forgive us for that. And we ask also, in that, in that love for us, not only forgive us, but strengthen us to do it different. Come and just, just unleash your presence in our life so that we can build the margin and that we can live for you and we can have a witness that invites others who are struggling in those places. Not judges them, but invites them. That they too can have their lives elevated. That we can lift lives, that we can elevate Christ. 
So, Lord, we commit this to you now. We ask for that, that power and that wisdom and that discernment. In Jesus' name.